Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you receive a blessing from this program. Please join us in person this Sunday for Bible study at 930 or our worship service at 1035. We promise that you will receive a warm welcome. For more information or to watch our services live, please visit our website, gpindy.net. Let's join our service already in progress.
Did you hear Mike wailing on the guitar over there? He did good. He did good. Hey, listen, um, this is a great song. Floor's coming to sing. Will you love Jesus more? Pay attention to the word.
than you did before I pray for nothing less than for you to love Jesus more I pray for nothing less than for you to love Jesus true that uh, no matter whether you know it or not, you claim to be a Christian, people are watching you. And we need to live our lives in such a way that when we leave, they would know Jesus as their Savior. Well, let's uh, sing a song, and I want you to really think about this and, and just think about what it says, this is your house. It's a prayer song to the Lord.
could live life alone and never feel the longings of my heart, the healing warmth of someone's arms, and I could live without dreams and never know the thrill of what could be with every star so far and out of reach. I can live without memories And I could carry on But I couldn't face my life tomorrow Without your hope in my heart I know I can't live a day without you Lord, there's no night and there's no morning without your the world, see all the wonders beautiful and new, they'd only make me think of you and I, could have all life offers, riches that were far beyond compare, to grant my every wish without a care.
Amen. I'll be with you in just a moment. If you want to turn to Romans 8, I'll be there in a minute. A lot of times, by the way, you need to pray for the folks in Florida, of course, and uh, everything going on there, and uh, it's just uh, unbelievable, and it's going to take, uh, I was talking to Bob earlier on, and at least three years to get things back to halfway normal, and that's going to be a long time. So just remember all that. We have several people down there, and uh, that we know that are friends, and uh, we love them in the Lord, and hope that they survived it, and everything going on. This morning, I want to talk about guilt a little bit. Some people say, "Well, I don't like feeling guilty," and uh, I said, "Well." I said, I'm sorry. Uh, I think it's a good thing sometimes. And uh, the reason I do is I go through this this morning. Uh, the title of my message is, At Times Feeling Guilt is Correcting Good. At Times in Your Life. We've seen criminals commit horrible sins, take the life of others. We're seeing it all the time anymore, aren't we? And it's just unbelievable what's going on in our major cities. And even in Annapolis here, of course. And uh, this past week, we saw the one uh, MT, the lady, a firefighter. She was stabbed to death just walking down the street. And uh, as you look at all that, you just see the lack of any guilt, the lack of any remorse. It's just another person that was here, now they're gone. I remember years ago in San Francisco, a fellow by the name of Dan White, he murdered another supervisor, and then killed the mayor. White said he did it because he had eaten too much junk food. He had eaten too many Hostess Twinkies. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? The jury found him guilty of voluntary manslaughter rather than double murder. Whatever happened to guilt, huh? And then a burglar, while committing a crime, he was shot by the policeman uh, in New York, and he was paralyzed. His lawyer told the jury the criminal was a victim in society. He was driven to crime. It was caused because of his disadvantages, and he was awarded millions from the city of New York and even took some money from the policeman himself. Again, where is any guilt today for the crimes that are taking place? Today, it seems if no one is responsible, it seems like they are, it's for the wrong behavior, they become the victims. If they hadn't been committing the crime, this, all this stuff would never have ha happened. But today, we pray... We play the victim card. We see it on TV now. So often we're becoming numb to it, aren't we? If we disagree with authority or our government, society, our culture, if we disagree with them, they attack us. They call us bigots, racist, politically incorrect, terrorists, and they try to cancel us or shut us down. And what they do is irresponsible, and it seems like there's no guilt. 
in their thinking whatsoever. Our society encourages sin, and then they explain the sin guilt away that the sin actually produced. <laughs> a fellow by the name of Sykes, he wrote a book about victimization, and he said it has taken place, becoming victims, instead of morality and guilt. If you lose a job, you can sue for mental stress of being fired. If you drive drunk and crash, you can sue someone for not warning you to stop drinking. Amazing. There's always someone else to blame. No one is guilty anymore. And by the way, it started in the Garden of Eden. And Adam said, it's that woman you gave me. And then the woman said, it's that dirty snake. We're good at passing the blame. Don't want any guilt whatsoever. Years ago, Ann Landers, she wrote about guilt. She said this about guilt. It's one of the most painful, self-mutilating things. It consumes the human experience. Remember, guilt is a pollutant. We don't need any more of guilt in this world. Is that true? I don't believe that whatsoever. I think that's untrue. I believe guilt is important, and it has its place and purpose in life, whether it's to the lost or whether it's to the saved. We could use a lot more guilt, especially when we sin. Amen? Seems like there's no conviction of guilt going on in Christian lives today. Now, we're not talking about false guilt that condemns us. That's the devil's working. He, no doubt, accuses us in his effort to try to paralyze us, one from being saved or one from living for Christ. But God says this, if you're saved, Romans 8.1 is a great verse, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus Aren't you glad that today no condemnation from God is coming our way? None whatsoever. He says in Romans 5.20, you know it well, moreover the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Sin was awful, but grace went beyond our sin. Amen? That's for us today. Now, it's good when we sin that our conscience produces conviction. It produces shame or guilt because we've done something wrong. As a result of that, guilt actually helps to guide us toward or back toward God's ways. Look at America today. We've defied God. We've done so much to try to remove him, remove his word, remove his influence from our classrooms, from our history, from our courtrooms, from our culture, from our public as a whole. Today, America is running on socialism and humanism. And they say, no God, only man rules. 
And I say to you today, brokenhearted in a sense, that America has turned its back on God, on his ways, turned its back on his reverence. To our society today, with most people, he's a big joke. Little reverence for Almighty God today going on. Thank God there are a few pockets, but overall it's not there. And also... They're attacking the traditional biblical family. The Bible teaches the family is the dad, the mom, and the kids. A male, a female, and a sibling. Amen? Amen. They say it's antiquated marriage the old way. Old-fashioned. Out of date with America's new society. In America's new society, anything goes. Are we seeing that today? I was seeing on the internet the other day that a, a, a drag queen was at a public school and they were allowing the kids to grab his crouch. Yeah, just saw that this week. And it's amazing what's going on today. We're seeing America's crime wave it's without God crime will come without God anti-civil laws anti-morality anti-constitution anti-working anti-preservation of the sacredness of life and they're doing these things and they have little or no guilt whatsoever in their doing. Their process is to remove America's biblical foundations. And they're doing a great job. The Constitution is coming. You wait and see. Why do people feel guilty? It's because they are guilty for doing wrong. That's why they feel guilty. God's red light comes on when we sin. And when we sin, that produces guilt. And guilt has an effect to help us to stop doing wrong and follow God's ways. That's why God gave the law, by the way, to make men feel guilty so they would turn to God. Romans chapter 3, verse 19 and 20. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world, the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of law, there shall no flesh be justified, for uh, by the law is the knowledge of sin. God gave his law, his commandments, that God might know that man might know what is wrong and what is correct and right. God's laws make us guilty of breaking God's law and commandments. His law challenges us, but the law doesn't change us. The law points its finger at our sin, but the law doesn't give mercy and grace. But God's law prepares us to be guilty of our sin 
And that helps push us to a solution. And the solution is Christ. The Bible states in Galatians chapter 3, verse 22, But the scripture hath concluded all under sin, we're all sinners, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster. Why? To bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. The law revealed our sin to us and we felt guilty about that and God did that so that we would look for a source that could help us with our guilt and our sin. And it's the person of Jesus Christ. The law helps us to understand we are guilty of sinning. I wish our Congress, our Senate, our President, our Supreme Court would get this truth down right there. We're a sinful people. And our founding fathers realized that, the old nature, and that's why they did certain things and put it into a constitution to try to protect man from his own sinful nature. Isn't that something? We're sinners. And the answer is the gospel of grace. The answer is not government. It's not government spending, and it's not psychology. Psychology has run this world, and everybody has an emotional problem. Hey, we're all misfits. We're sinners. We're all going to have problems. I was reading last night, drunkenness is a disease, and... Uh, no, it's a choice to get drunk, Elmer. Amen. Amen. Don't fool yourself. The Bible says, and drunkards and so on shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Such were some of you, but now you're washed. Say, so once you trust Christ, it's over. Huh? Somebody said, well, I will always be an alcoholic. Well, why do you keep choosing to drink? Choose Christ's way. You'll stop drinking. Amen? The closer I get to Christ, the less I sin. Amen? Well, that's not my message, but that's all free. <laughs> now, if lost, understand, before you can be saved, or us, before you can be accepted by God, you first must understand your own guilt. You're a sinner. Wherefore, by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed up on all men, for all have sinned. Adam, in his gene, became a sinner, and he passed it down through his DNA to his children, to their children, to your parents, to you. You don't have to tell a baby how to be bad. It squawks and it poops all the time. What a machine. <laughs> Amen. They do bad. We do bad automatically because we're sinners. 
And so the question is then, for a sinner, how do we get rid of this guilt that I have? We have to have forgiveness of our sins. And that helps to remove our guilt when our sins are forgiven. So what can we do? What can we do to get rid of this sin problem, this guilt problem that I have when I do do something wrong? Well, the answer is very, very simple. Nothing. You can do nothing. It's not anything we do. It's what God has already done for us. We just believe it. Amen? We just believe it. Now, notice these verses, very simple. This is what you must believe. If you want to be saved, have your sins forgiven, and the guilt removed. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to to the scriptures. That's the good news today. That's the gospel today. Christ died for your sins, was buried and rose again. Who he is and what he's accomplished is enough to forgive all your sins, remove all your guilt, and give you eternal life. Just believe that. Romans 4, 5 says this, But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him, Christ, that justifieth the ungodly, his faith, is counted for righteousness. We don't do anything except believe. And why should I believe? I believe what the Bible says. Huh? Not what society says. Not what religion says. Not what my family or tradition says. I just believe what the Word of God says. That's what God says to do. And believe that gospel to save you. Chapter 4, verse 25 who was delivered for our offenses, he died on a cross, and was raised again for our justification. He's done it all. Chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore being justified, how? By faith. Not by your works, not joining a church, not giving your money, not trying to live by the Ten Commandments. Faith in Christ and what he's done for you. States chapter 10, verse 9 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead? You might be. If you do a few things, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Amen? Then Ephesians 2, 8, 9, you know that well. For by grace are you saved through faith, not that uh, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. It's all of grace. It's a gift. All you need to do is believe in Christ. And this gift is given to you. It's amazing. When you receive a gift, you don't reach in your pocket and say, well, let me pay for it. It's a gift. It's free to you. It costs him greatly. But to us, it's a gift. Believe it, receive it. Amen? 
Romans 6, 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law when you get saved, but under grace. Now think this through. The moment you believe in this gospel, that, that very moment, the first thing, you're justified. You say, what do you mean by that? You've been made right before God. Before you had no access or standing with God, but after you believe in the gospel, now you have the right and access to stand before Almighty God. There's an actual event in heaven where God legally declares us righteous because of our now position in Christ. Christ took our sins and then he placed his goodness, his merit to our account. For the first time, God ruled in favor of us. And that's something. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, you know it well. For he hath made Christ to be sent for us, who Christ knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now when the Father sees me, he doesn't see me, but he sees his son's merits and righteousness, his death, burial, and resurrection, I'm covered by Christ now. That's why I'm accepted today. Ephesians 1, 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he hath made us, because we've been saved, accepted in the beloved. You've been transferred from your position of sinner in Adam to becoming believer in Christ. He took you out of Adam with all of its sinful consequences to being in Christ saved. You've been justified. You're justified. Another thing that happens when you believe the gospel, you're redeemed. Ephesians 1, 7 says this here, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. To be redeemed means to purchase us by paying the determined price to set us free. You see, as sinners, we were slaves to sin. But when we believed in Christ and that gospel, Jesus unlocked our shackles, those shackles that were binding us to sin. And he says to us at that moment, you're free now. Woo! And it has the idea, so you will never return to be a slave to sin ever again. Amen? He, Christ, paid our sins, debts, price on the cross. 1 Corinthians six nineteen. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are, what? Bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. He not only saved us, he purchased us, now he owns us. 
we have been redeemed, set free from the slavery of the sin that had us chained, shackled. Now we're free. I remember the story of where a man had saved a little money and he wanted to buy a jacket or something. And he went by this pawn shop and he saw in there a live eagle in a cage and it was all like this. Couldn't fly, couldn't do anything. And he looked at his money. He looked at the price. It was the same amount. He went inside. He purchased this eagle and he took him outside and he opened that cage and that big eagle flew out of there. He said, I swear I could hear it singing, redeemed, redeemed, redeemed. See, you're justified when you believe, you're redeemed, but also you're propitiated. You said, what in the world? Propitiated. That means a satisfied sacrifice. Now follow me. The Father, the Father is satisfied with the sacrifice of His Son for our sin. When he died on the cross, he said, it is finished. The purpose, the reason I came to this world was for man's sins. And the father said, I accept that. I'm satisfied with that sacrifice. No more sacrifices are needed. That's the one sacrifice. You see, when Christ died on the cross, the son of God met the required payment for justice that God demanded for our sin. And he did all that for us, and it's all by grace. Let me ask you right now, before I go on any further, are you saved? Has there been a time in your life where you acknowledged that you were a sinner, but you also believed that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and what he did on the cross in the tomb, Empty now, raised raised on the right hand of the Father. You believed in that gospel. That's what guarantees you to go to heaven, nothing else. And if you've never done that, why don't you do that this moment? Believe in him. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes right now before I continue on. Say something like, God, I know I'm a sinner, but I believe Christ is your son. He died for my sins, was buried and rose again. I'm believing that's enough to save me. Just say something from your heart with a heart man believing. Just say it to him right now. Tell him you believe in him. You believe in his son and his sacrifice and so on. Just tell him right now. Is there anybody here this morning with our heads bowed? Anybody would say, I just believed in Christ this moment. Just raise your hand right now. We won't come out there. Did you pray? Just say that. God bless you. Now, you can raise your heads. But also, for those who have already been saved, the guilt for sin is a good thing. It helps us to stop doing something that's wrong and to do what is right. When you're driving your car down the street 
and all of a sudden a light flashes, red light starts flashing. How do you respond? Do you immediately act to try to see what it is and get it fixed? Or do you just say, well, I'll just keep on driving? If you keep on driving, you're going to have a meltdown of a car before it's over. You know that, right? And we understand that. I've learned that over the years, we all falter at times in our life. David. And when David sinned, he says, my sin is ever before me. He had so much guilt, he just kept seeing his sin. Peter, the one who said, I don't know him. He's the one who said, I'm not one of his disciples. And he began to cuss and swear. And then Peter went out and wept bitterly. Why did he go out and weep bitterly? Guilt. Now, don't miss this. But their guilt led them to repent or change their minds and throw themselves up on the mercy of God. I found out that when you're honest, you have a transparent heart concerning your sin, your failure, God is at that moment gracious, kind, loving, embracing and what he does when you come clean with God like that, he gives us peace and a clear conscience that removes the guilt. Hello? Paul said this in Acts 24, 16. And herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. I'm going to keep my conscience clean and clear. God wants to protect us. That's why he instructs us in his word what we're to do and what we're not to do. He sets boundaries, borders, perimeters, not to make us more miserable, but to shield us from the world, from the flesh, from the devil, and sometimes even ourselves. I've told this illustration, but it fits here. A well-known preacher out in California, he and his wife, they were in the backyard. How many of you know what a finch bird is? The little yellow ones? Okay, little finch. We used to have them. They're beautiful little birds. And there was one just sitting on the grass. Usually, when you move at all as a human, the fence, they shoot out. They fly away. But he just sat there. Then the finch, bright-colored one, he said, flew toward him and perched on his finger. He was shocked. His wife said, is this supposed to be happening? <laughs> they, they couldn't believe it. But also they noticed that the bird looked scared. He looked half dead. So they were trying to perk him up, bring him back to where he ought to be, back to life. But he was still quiet. He was sad, afraid looking. So the preacher said, listen, he called his son. He says, 
go down to the uh, store and buy a birdcage. And the son went and purchased a birdcage, brought it back. And they took that little finch and put it in the birdcage and shut the door. As soon as he was in that birdcage, the preacher said it seemed like he was coming back to life. He began to look happier. He began to chirp, began to sing. So to that bird, apparently the cage didn't represent a prison to the finch. It represented safety, protection to keep away the predators. Likewise, God. God's ways are not to burden us, not to limit us, but to shield us. That's why when we believe, believers, we drift away from God, we begin to sin, a red light of warning of guilt goes off in our mind to get us back under God's umbrella of protection and blessings. So in that way, guilt is a good thing. Amen? John 13, 17, the Lord said, if you know these things, happy are you if you do them. So the next time that red light starts going off and you're feeling guilty, remind yourself you're gotten, you've gotten off track and you need to get back to the Savior. Amen? That's what God wants us to do. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. Thank you for giving us the commandments, the ways, the instruction so that we might be able to walk a certain path that's under your will and not out on our own, out from underneath the umbrella of protection to where we get hit and we're hurt. God, help us to realize that when we begin to feel guilty, we need to get somewhere alone and get alone with you and just start sharing our heart with you. Get us back in the race. Get us back on track. May we not be upset with it. May we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? And let me just say, if you did pray, and in the sense that you believed in Christ and the gospel, uh, before you leave, just come up to me, and I have a book down here. It's for new converts. It's a great uh, dispensational book in a sense of what a Christian should do in their new walk in Christ, Growing in God's Grace by Brother Fredrickson. We've had him here at the church before. Let me just encourage you. Just say, may I have the book? I'll give it to you. You can leave. And uh, it'll be a blessing to you. So we just tell you we love We you. hope you received a blessing from today's broadcast. We would love to have you visit with us in person. For more information, please visit our website at gpnd.net or contact us by phone at 317-535-3512. You can watch us live and view past services on our website, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Until next broadcast, may God richly bless you as our prayer.